So I'm going to totally put you on the spot. Last week we started a series called, okay, one person. I had one. Last week we started a series called Birthmarked 2. Okay, we're doubling every time. So this right here, I'm, I'm pointing it out to you right here, Birthmarked. Um, here's why that's important. And I'm just going to set the stage, kind of recap it. If you weren't here last week, you're kind of stepping in going, uh, birthmark, that's a weird thing. So um, one, we're not making fun of people that have birthmarks because a lot of people have birthmarks. And I know last week I showed you some pictures, but we just made fun of pets, right? We didn't make fun of people, just pets. Um, and then two, what we're talking about in December is this. Listen, Jesus was born, right? This is what we're celebrating in December. Newsflash, in case you didn't know that already, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, right? Um, even people that don't like Jesus get into Christmas because they're like, hey, I like Jesus because he, he brings me presents, right? So we're celebrating the fact that he was born. And we made a statement last week. We said that the birth of Jesus changes everything. Now, I'm not going to preach the whole thing from last week, but let me just recap. The first point was that the birth of Jesus changes everything. Here's one example of how. Time, right? Before Jesus was born was called B.C., which means before Christ. And then after he was born, it's called A.D., which is a Latin term that I can't pronounce and I won't even try. Um, but it means in the year of our Lord. So basically before Jesus and after Jesus. So his birth split our time, okay? That's just one example. You don't have to be a believer in Jesus to recognize that we don't live in B.C. anymore, right? So he split time. He made a difference. And the point that we're trying to make, the question we're trying to pose in this series called Birthmark is this. If Jesus changed everything, if his birth changed everything, and it did, then it should change us, right? His birth marked the world. And so his birth should mark us. Now let's go just one step further. This is going to sound churchy, so if you're not in the church, just hang with me. Christians, and it's possible that you're not, Christians love to throw around terms like born again, the new birth, and those are good phrases, and they're all in the Bible. Typically, people that don't follow Jesus are like, huh, right? And so that comes from John chapter 3, and I'm saying this because you'll hear me use that term today, so make sure you understand what it means. So in John chapter 3, Jesus is hanging out talking to this man named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is a Pharisee. That, don't let that name fool you. It just means that he was really into religion. He was trying to do the right thing probably for the right reasons, but he wasn't doing the right thing. It just wasn't working out. That's why Jesus came. So Jesus is coming. He's, he's here. He's talking to Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus, who's been doing great stuff, think about the best person you know, and you're like, if anybody's getting into heaven based on what they do, it's your friend. That's Nicodemus, right? And Jesus looks at Nicodemus, and he says this word. He says, look, unless you're born again, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, Nicodemus is a grown man. And he, he's like, time out, Jesus. Um, <laughs> look at me. I'm grown. I've been eating good. I can't go back into my mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus said, no, no, we're not, you're talking about physically. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. You've got to be born again. Here's what that means. So make sure that you really get this, okay, before we move on. We tend to do this, and it's just the way our minds are wired. A lot of you are type A people. You're checklist people, so you, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, am a che I do make checklists. I just lose them, okay? That's what happens in my life. So every checklist starts like this. Find previous checklists. That's the way they all start for me. But some of you really are. That's your, I mean, you make a checklist, and you check it off, and, you know, you love Christmas because, you know, we're checking lists off and all that kind of stuff. Um, what we tend to do in American church is we, we equate Christianity. We say this is Christianity. Christianity is 
You go to church when you didn't before. You read the Bible when you didn't before. You give 10% of your money to the church when you didn't before. So what we tend to do is, well, you're not a believer before, but now that you're doing all these things, you're following Jesus. And I want to make sure that you understand what I'm about to say, because it's everything for this series birthmarked. That's not Christianity. That's, that's religion. It's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the three things I just mentioned and all the other things that you, you know, if it, you, you clap your hands in a bar to Christian music when you didn't before. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you might be doing now that you didn't do before. And we tend to think that's Christianity. But all the gospel is this. The gospel is that we were dead and now we're living. We were dead and now we're alive. That's the gospel, right? And so when we talk about Jesus, his birth marked history, but, but he came to give me life. He came and said, unless I'm born again, because I'm dead in my sin, unless I'm born again spiritually and I have new life in me. And there's tons of verses. I'm going to impress you with the word plethora. And teachers know what I'm talking about. There are a plethora of verses that say things like, um, if, the, if the new has come, the old is gone. Right? We are new creatures in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're new. We've been born again. So when you hear people say the term born again, what they're saying is, I was dead in my sins. And now through Christ, I've been born again. I've got life. And what I'm posing to you is this. It's impossible to say you follow a Savior whose birth marked the world and not yourself be marked. It's impossible to say that he changed the world, but he didn't change me. And be his followers, right? So we should see changes in our lives because we're following Jesus. And so what, we have, um, what we're proposing is... There's probably a bazillion birthmarks. So, you know, just spiritually, just think spiritually. You and I, we're, we have birthmarks because we've been born again. It's a new birth into Christ. And so we have birthmarks. There's evidence of, in our lives. People should look at us and go, huh, I see this in your life. What's that? What is that? And we go, well, that's just, that's just something that happened when I was born again, when I was given life in Christ. And that's a mark on my life now. And so what we're saying is there's probably a gazillion of them. And you can probably name more. And you're probably smarter than I am and have more that are better than mine. But what we have going up to Christmas is four Sundays, and so we're talking about four specific marks, four, four birthmarks that we should have in our lives as Christians. And last week we talked about, remember? I did a great job preaching last week. You can tell that right away. Um, would it help you if I said that I was hoping that you would remember? Because last week we talked about hope. Right, exactly. So what I've learned is if I give you the answer, you can give it back to me, right? Don't feel bad. If I had been sitting where you were, I wouldn't have known either, and I preached it. So um, last week we talked about how our lives as followers of Jesus should be marked by hope. So what that means is this, and then we're going to jump into today. How many of you have heard the expression, um, the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Anybody ever heard that? Um, the people that love to say that go to church. Have you noticed this? <laughs> What is up with that? It's things that make no sense to me, but whatever. So if it's true that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, then probably Christians, believers, people that follow Jesus should be so marked by hope that people that don't believe in Jesus would look at the church and say, how can you have so much hope when the world is going to hell in a handbasket? And the hope is what marks us. And then we would be able to say, well, I, it's Jesus. I didn't have hope before. I was dead. But now I've been born again. I get this mark on my life and it's hope. Okay, makes sense? So hope today. I'm going to ask you a question. 
Because I mentioned this last week, we, we're not trying to tie all this back to money, but money is something that we can all relate to, amen? Right, like either a lot of it or a little of it, but however it is, we can all relate to money, right? Um, last week I said that I made this statement, that hope gives, right? So it's one thing, like, you know, if you came to me and said, and let's hope this never happens, but if you came to me and said, dude, my car is gone, I lost my job, I got no food, I got nowhere to stay, I got no hope. And I said, I'm, I'm totally putting on the spot, I'm sorry, you okay? So, okay, because I'd be freaking if I were you, but you're doing great. <laughs> if I said to you, oh man, that's, that stinks. Hey, we'll be praying for you. <laughs> Go get him, Tiger. Now, in that scenario, I mean, you don't, I didn't give you hope. I mean, I encouraged you. I, I said what most of us would say, and there's nothing wrong with saying it. But honestly, you don't have any hope. Because you just walked away from that conversation, and you still don't have a car. You know, all the things you lost, you still lost them. So what I said last week was, hope is often very practical. And there's no other way to say it, right? So as a church, we give hope away. And the way we give hope away often is financially. It's, it's that conversation, but I'm able to say, man, that is, that's hard. And I don't know what the long-term solution is, but you know what? We got people at the church that love Jesus. They're marked by hope, and they give and we got two nights for you in a hotel. Bring your family. We're going to figure it out. Now, I didn't solve the long-term solution, and all of you right now are like, he's talking to me, right? Because I want two nights in a hotel. <laughs> that didn't solve the problem long-term, but I'm telling you, he walked away from that conversation differently, right? That's what it means. When I say hope gives, that's what happens. So I just mentioned last week, you know, this year alone, this year alone, our church is going to I'm sure by the end of the year, we'll, be have, we'll, we'll have given away like eighty-five, close to $90,000 in hope. And I look around the room. I don't see rich people here. Do you? Unless you're hiding and haven't told me. And I will find you, right? No. <laughs> this is just a collection of people in Albemarle that are marked by hope and hope gives. And then we're able to take that and then give people hope. I mean, that's, I love that, right? So that's how that works. So I say all that to say, man, I'm really introducing this sermon. You're like, you got to get going with it, buddy. I got lunch. Um, I will zoom faster because my wife is not, nodding her head like, come on, Paul, be aware of the time. I'm very aware of it and I'm sweating. Here we go. <laughs> Let me pose a question to you. And it's still money related. That's why I said all that up this way. How much money would you give away? How much money would you give away if money really did grow on trees and you had a money tree in your backyard, how much money would you give away? All of it. You know why? Because you looked at your window that morning and went, oh, dang, those leaves look nice. I'm going to give some money away. I'll go pick some more, right? That's the way that it works. If you knew that if you had a money tree in your backyard and you knew, guaranteed, you don't have to water it. You don't have to do anything. You just know that, you know, it's always going to, you're always going to have money. And, and right now you're wishing this was true, right? You're like, man, if this was true, this would be the best sermon ever. Every friend will join the gathering. Man, I wish it was true too, but whatever. If that were true, you would give all your money away because you'd never run out, right? With me so far? Okay. So let me just change it a little bit, and I'm going to see if I can cause you to have a little bit of a reaction on the inside, and then we'll start talking. What if it changed a little bit? It was still true that, if you, that you could always have money. There would always be money. You still have a money tree in the backyard, and you can always have money. There will always be more money. But the caveat is this. You don't see money on the tree until you've given away the money that you have. Then how much money would you give away? 
Now, the easy answer, if you want to sound spiritual, is, oh, all of it, brother. But I know you because you're like me. And just the little gap between giving what you have away and looking and hoping that more shows up, that's why we have to have faith. Because there's always a gap between what we do and what we've been promised will happen because of what we do. And if we're honest, and here's what we're going to go today, because today we're talking about faith. If we're honest, the first time, somebody had to pry the money out of our hands, wouldn't they? And because they were willing to pry it out of our hands, we would almost be like, oh, I don't have anything left. What? Right? And then we're picking some more off the tree, and then it's gone. But now we're like, maybe it'll happen again. So we test it a little bit more. Okay, that's faith, all right? You got that illustration in your head? Okay, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, I want to read it to you. Um, this is the story of, the, of um, Gabriel, or the angel appearing to Mary, and, and sharing with her what's going to happen in her life. Now picture yourself, you are a teenager. Mary at this point is probably 14 years old. 14 years old, that's Sydney. That changes how you read the Bible, right? So 14 years old, and this is what she experiences, okay? Luke chapter 1. Verses 26 through 38, here's what it says. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. You've heard of her. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You're going to be with child and give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, even Elizabeth, your relative. Is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. So here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to point out a few points. Make a few observations about faith. And then at the end, I got a little thing for you that will hopefully bring it all together. And then we'll go eat lunch. Is that cool? So maybe you have a note sheet. I hope you do. If you've got a note sheet, you've got three, um, three points. You can fill out the blanks. Here's the first blank. The first thing we learn about faith from the story about Mary is that faith leads to favor. Faith leads to favor. Favor is a good thing, right? Faith leads to favor. So um, when the angel showed up to Mary, what's the first thing that he said? He said, greetings, you who are highly favored. So what I want you to know is this, that Mary, um, Mary was not, let's see, how was she selected? God was not sitting up in the throne of heaven, and he had a dartboard with all of the women's names that were in the world at that time. And he blindfolds himself and pulls a dartboard out, and he, oh, Mary. All right, Gabriel, go see Mary, right? That's not how he selected her. He didn't pull her name out of a hat. This wasn't random chance. This wasn't the lottery. He picked Mary because of how Mary had been living her life up to this point, okay? He picked her because of how she'd been living her life up to this point. It was Mary's life up to this moment that prepared her for this moment. And that's good news, okay? If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, how long 
Am I going to be stuck where I'm stuck? How long am I going to be in this job? How long am I going to be at this school? How long am I going to be in whatever you fill in the blank there? I mean, it's so easy to feel stuck, isn't it? Like, God, this moment I'm living is doing nothing for me. But what I want you to see from Mary is this, that she had lived a life of all those kind of moments. And she had been faithful through all those moments. And those moments prepared her for this moment when an angel stood in front of her and said, you're favored because of how you've been living. Faith leads to favor. Let me give you a couple verses just to show you it's in the Bible. I'm not making it up. Matthew chapter 8, verse 10, says that faith, it gets the Lord's attention. It's not exactly what the Bible says, but there's a story where Jesus sees a man react a certain way. And, he's, and he sees it a couple times in Scripture. He sees one time it's a man and another time it's a lady. And he'll make these statements. And he makes it in Matthew eight ten. He says this, I've not found faith like this in all of Jerusalem. I've not found faith like this in the whole world is what he's saying. Faith gets the Lord's attention. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says that when faith in God actually leads to God's support. Now, this is a really interesting verse, 2 Chronicles 16.9. Here's what it says. It says that the Spirit of God, I know you think I'm going to take that table out, but I'm not. The Spirit of God goes to and fro throughout the world seeking hearts who are committed to Him so that the Spirit can support them. Now, just picture, this is not the whole world, it's just our room. But in this room, just picture the Holy Spirit going in and out of these rows, in and out of these rows. And he's looking for somebody. Who's he looking for? Somebody whose heart says, man, I'm all yours, God. I'm all yours. That's faith. I'm all yours. And when he finds that faithful heart, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit strongly supports him. Faith attracts the support of God. And then finally, um, Hebrews eleven six. 6, it's a negative verse. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the flip side of that means it's true, right? So with faith, we do please God. Hebrews eleven six. With faith, we know that faith pleases God. So what I'm telling you is, all these things were true in Mary's life, and that's why now she has the favor of God. Faith leads to favor. Faith seeks God and knows that his faith, our faith will always lead to his favor. Here's the second thing I want you to learn. Before I give you the blanks, let me just set it up like this. Faith has gotten a bad rap in the church and in the world because Christians have have told their friends that biblical faith is the same as blind faith. You know what blind faith is, right? Blind faith is like, have you ever had somebody tell you, just, man, just stop asking so many questions. Just believe. Just believe. So in, in the church world, if you ask a lot of questions, typically what happens is you get labeled a troublemaker, you get labeled a rebel. Oh, there's that person that's always asking questions. And it gets wearisome. People don't know how to react to that, Right? Like, if you're, you're a parent of a two-year-old, why, why? And at some point, the parents are like, I know, why did we have this child, right? <laughs> it can become weird. I mean, I know you're glad you had your kids, but I'm saying it can become so wearisome, like question after question after question. And so what happens a lot of times in church is we're just like, stop asking questions. Stop trying to learn. Stop trying to figure that out. Just believe, just believe. And that's blind faith. It's not the same. As biblical faith. And what I want you to see in the way that Mary responded is this. Faith may want to understand, but faith doesn't have to understand. That you're in a church where we encourage you to seek God. We encourage you to ask questions. 
We encourage you to say, I don't understand, but I want to. Faith, faith may want to understand, but what we're going to learn from Mary is that faith doesn't have to understand. Let me just show you again how Mary responded. So the, the angel shows up and says, hey, great news. You have the favor of God and the Lord is with you. And the Bible says Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Let's just quickly break apart that phrase, greatly troubled, because what it means is severely agitated. How many of you do laundry in your house? So if you, could, if you could be the laundry in your house and get thrown into the washing machine, how many of you know that one of the ways that that laundry gets clean is the, the washing machine starts to agitate the clothes. I'm, I'm kinda, I feel this agitation coming, right? I'm, it's like a rap song, right? It's a bad rap song with a bad white man dancing. I get it. I'm agitating you. I can sense it. That's what's happening inside Mary. Now listen, if you're the, if you're the clothes, like we're, we're on the outside, we're washing on her, so we're like, pipe down, we know that's going to make you clean. But if you're the clothes, if you're the t-shirt in the wash, and you're getting thrown around, and you're, at, I mean, you're agitated, that's not a good place to be. I mean, if, if Mary was here today, and she was giving a testimony, and her testimony went like this, last night an angel appeared to me, and he told me that I have found favor with God. And I should rejoice. But today I just feel like I'm in a, I'm in agitated. I'm just, I, I just, something's weird on the inside. Most Christians would say, oh, Mary, you just don't have enough faith. But we know that she had faith. That's why the angel's there. I want you to stop equating a lot of faith with no questions. Mary had questions. She, she was troubled. And then she was curious. Verse 34. I love this about Mary. Um, After the angel says, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to save the world. And her question was, how? How, How's that? I mean, time out, angel. I'm a virgin. What is going on? How in the world is what you just said going to happen to me? And, And I don't know if you noticed or not, but the angel tried to answer her question. Isn't this great? He's like, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Can't you just picture 14-year-old Mary going, wait, could you say that slower again? I'm not sure I I heard overshadow something and then something and then Son of God. But I'm not really sure what you said. The explanation was not enough. It didn't explain it. Mary still didn't know how it was going to happen. And, and what I want you to see is that it's okay to not know. Um, you're not convinced, so I'm going to read you real quick one more passage. <laughs> Romans. It's just like two or three books to the right. Romans chapter 4. Um, there's a man named Abraham, and Paul's writing about Abraham. Abraham is in the Old Testament, and um, we don't have time to read the whole story, but um, the story is Abraham was old. And he'd been given a promise that he was going to have a son and that through that son he was going to have a a whole legacy like, you know, more descendants than he could see in the heavens with the stars. But he didn't have one. So he's like, how am I going to have all of that? I don't even have a kid. And so God sent an angel and the angel came and told him that that by this time next year your wife would bear a son. And um, his wife Sarah was old. They were both old. And so um, she laughed. She laughed, like, there's no way I'm having a child. Um, and I don't know what the tipping point is when, like, 
how old you have to be before being told you're going to have a child's not good news, right? <laughs> like, um, I, that's cool, but do I get drugs to go with it, right? I mean, like at some point, but he's old. And what we're going to find out is he's 100 years old. And this is what Paul wrote, wrote about Abraham. Verses 18 through 21, chapter 4, he says this, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Now listen, in Bible speak, that just means he's super, super old. Like when you turn to your spouse and go, you're as good as dead. That's not good, right? You understand that. I'm just making sure you understand. Like I'm trying to to help your marriage be better, right? So he's as good as dead, and hold on, it gets better, right? It says he's about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was dead. So, like, Sarah's like, well, you're as good as dead, and he's like, well, you are kind of already dead, right? I mean, like, they're, they're old. And again, I don't know, at 100 years old, if I'm, if I'm pushing triple digits and I'm having a kid, I don't know. I, was, I don't know where I'm at with that, right? This is Abraham's life. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. And here's why, verse 21, this is key. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Not fully persuaded in his ability to believe, right? But fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is going to sound like a really weird statement, and it probably is, but... Maybe you'll remember it. Hang with me. Especially if you're going through something right now that's tough in your life. Just look at me. I want you to get this, okay? Faith can see the data and still trust the dad. See, Abraham, against all hope, had hope. Abraham faced the fact that he was super, super old and his wife maybe even older and still had faith that God could do what he said he would do. Faith can see the data and still trust the dad. Faith can see, like, eyes wide open, right? Like, this situation is impossible. But yet see beyond that to the God of the impossible. That's faith, okay? Faith may want to understand, but faith doesn't have to understand. And when we, re- when we really grab hold of that, Then just like Mary in verse 38, we're going to say the same thing that Mary did. Here's the third point. Faith says yes to God. And that sounds so simple, but it's not, is it? Have you noticed this? It's really not always easy to say yes to God. But faith will always say yes to God. Verse 38, Mary's response to all of this, like, okay, angel shows up. I've got favor. Okay, blah, 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 blah. I'm a virgin having a baby. What? I don't understand. But her response to all of that. Is verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. How, how can Mary say that? Again, we're, we're adults in here, right? But, you know, there's some, there's some teenagers in here, 14 years old. At 14 years old, your response is that? Your parents can't even get you to make your bed. And your response is, hey, bring it on. I'll carry the Son of God, right? Wow, how, what enabled Mary to say that? She didn't say, my dog ate my homework, right? I mean, no excuse. She just said, let it be for me, like you said. And it's because she knew two things about God. She knew that he was Lord, right? She said, I'm the Lord's servant. It's not about me. I'm his servant. I'm the Lord's servant. She knew 
who God was, and she knew that God's word was true. Let it be to me as you have said, right? Not according to like what I think, right? Not, not according to how much faith I have, because I don't know how y'all are on Sundays, but like when I preach a really good message like today, this is a good one. When I preach a really good, like you're going to go home and well past lunch, you're going to be like, dude, I got faith. I believe, I believe. But tomorrow at 10 in the morning, on Monday, right? Suddenly that faith can start to dwindle. And so Mary didn't say, let it be according to how much faith I have. She said, just let it be to me according to your word, what you said. She knew who God was, and she knew that he would do what he said. And that's such a big, a big truth. That's such a big idea that it is your big idea today. And here's what I want you to put in your, on your sheet for your big idea. You're new here. Big idea means that you don't remember half of what I've already said. But if you'll remember this, you're good to go. And here's your big idea. What we put our faith in is more important than how much faith is in us. What we put our faith in is more important than how much faith is in us. Let me make sure that you understand that, and I've got something to wrap it all up, and we'll go home. Mary did not have to have a ton of faith because she put her faith in the right person. And again, I don't know how much faith you have when you're 14 years old and get that kind of news, right? I'm like, what's going on in my life? And how can I fit Netflix into this, right? But she, she didn't have to have a lot of faith because she put it in God. She put it in the right place. Mary has questions. She's afraid. But she still believes that God can do what he said he would do. And that's faith. When we know God like that, we'll always find ourselves saying yes to his request. Now, let me see if I can wrap this up quickly with, um, with a short little illustration that we we. We talked about my family this past week. Now, um, this is a mason jar, and it has water in it, and um, it's kind of yucky. It's probably hard for y'all to really see that, but there's a lot of stuff in here. What I'd like for you to picture is, um, because this is just a jar with water and leaves and pine stuff and mud and bleh. The way we've taught faith in church would be like this. Who among us, brothers and sisters, has the faith to believe that you can sip from this very mason jar and not be contaminated? Now, right away, all of you, because you're cool, you'd be like, and I'll be on video. I'll do it, right? But let me paint the picture a little bit differently. And I'll talk about India a lot because that's my, when I think bad water, I think India. Man, sorry, India, people from India that watch this, but I just think India. So on my second trip to India, I was told that I was going to have the honor of taking part in baptism service, which is really cool. Like, I'm going to be in India, and I'm going to baptize these believers. It's going to be awesome. Until we walked up on the roof, the roof, right, of the building, the church, and it's like 90 degrees. The sun is beating down, and I see over in the corner, there's like this rectangle concrete thing, and they lifted the top off of it, and I'm at the top of the stairs looking down into it, and it's the baptism pool. With the water that's been there, whoever knows how long, right? From everybody that's ever been baptized there since Adam, I guess. I don't know. And that water's been underneath that concrete top, and the sun's been cooking it good. Okay, are you, get, are you starting to get the picture? And so, like, I'm looking at the water going, so I need to walk through the top layer to get to the water, right? That's kind of how it feels. Okay, do you, do you have that picture? Now, take that water and put it in here. 
And this is what we're talking about, okay? Now, this past week at dinner, Parker mentioned something. It's, it's something where he's working on school project, whatever. But he had found something, and he said, man, this is really cool. Like, you can take this, like, you can take this, this thing, and you can use it to drink this. And we're like, I'm like, dude, time out. Like, what drugs are you doing, right? Um, that's not possible. And he goes, no, no, it really is. There's, there is this amazing thing called a life straw. And if you're, if you're an outdoorsman, woman, person, um, you may have heard of this. And, and I get no money from life straw at all. We're just using it. They're going to see it, and they're going to love that I did this, and we're going to get royalties and pay for the building. But whatever. Um, <laughs> faith to believe. Lifestraw, what Lifestraw allows you to do, and there's all kinds of products. Again, when we went to India, Richard had some that you, like, screw the top of a bottle into. And it, it just, but what this allows you to do is you can take this. I could actually take this to India, and they could open up that baptistry, and I could stick this straw into the water, and then I can, I know I could just suck, and the water will come through the Lifestraw, and this thing will actually, for seventeen ninety eight. Free two-day shipping, Amazon Prime. This thing will filter out 97% of pollutants. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so, what, you know, so let me just explain. <laughs> You're stuck on the 3% that didn't come out. I know, I can sense, I can sense it. So the good news for you is for $55 in two-day free shipping... <laughs> They also sell another version, and there are different levels of the way that it filters out, but there are, like, the, the, mo- the most powerful filters they have is what you would buy to stick it into the baptistry in India. I get that. But just, you could take this for seventeen ninety eight. What I'm telling you, you have the, you have the technology, the, 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 the capability to put this in the hands of, of, of kids all around the world, and they can drink water, pure water, through this filter. Seventeen ninety eight, free two day shipping on Amazon. <laughs> Amazing. Now, biblical faith. I said to you, who who among us would have the faith to drink this water? I mean, just take that water from that baptistry in India and mix it in here with all this. I think I see fish poo and all this stuff. And just, who would have the faith just to be like, yeah, see, you were like, don't do it, right? Who would do that, right? I, I would not get many. I would get a few crazy people, right, um, who also don't think that they would really get sick by drinking this. But, but the truth of the matter, if I put this down and I said, but, listen, 97%, <laughs> who has the faith to put this straw in that water? And then drink water out of it and has faith that you would not be contaminated by that. I wonder if I have anybody that would say, yeah, I got faith for that. Anybody? You, would you do it? You, you, I, I've got so many volunteers. <laughs> They're having a marital spat right now. So we, so we might need to. This is a whole other illustration about when your spouse has faith, but your other spouse is like, sit your butt down, right? <laughs> I need the paycheck, baby. You're not going to get sick, right? And also, 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 just for video, just, he's a Carolina fan, so if this goes south, it's all good. <laughs> so, 
Um, so what you'll do is you'll just open this open up, that up, and that's the filter, and then okay. you'll pull this pull off the that. top. I did it for you. Look at that. And then you just literally just stick that into the water and just drink. Now, I'm not drinking the whole thing. Let's just make that clear. Well, it just depends on how thirsty you are. You still get. You're still with us. You feeling okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's good. You feeling okay? I mean, I, I can hold it now if you're if you're done. Let me see it. That's pretty unbelievable. What he said was that's pretty unbelievable though. You can't taste any of the dirt. Seriously. You can't taste any of the dirt. How about a hand? That was fantastic. For those that watch this on video later, what you just heard was somebody say, give her a kiss. <laughs> Are you holding that up? You want us to fill that for you? No. Oh. So, all right. So let's do this. Um, you got your note sheet, right? If you have your note sheet, I want you to flip your note sheet over. I'm going to give you four words. And we're going to talk to them. And then we're, we are really out of here because Wendy's like, Paul, seriously, wrap it up. <laughs> Which I mean, that in a, I mean that in a good way because she keeps me on track. Um, so here, you got, your, you got your note sheet flipped over or your notepad out, whatever you want to take notes on. You need to write these four words down. And I hope I can remember them and spell them correctly. Here we go. Accepts. A-C-C-E-P-T-S. Accepts. Write that word down. Write down the word asks. A-S-K-S. I'm sorry. A-C-T-S. Acts. A-C-T-S. Acts. And write down the word excesses, A-C-C-E-S-S-E-S. I'm spelling these because there are different words that also sound similar, and I would hate for you to write down the wrong one. And then the last one is accomplishes, A-C-C-O-M-P-L-I-S-H-E-S. Accomplishes. Let's talk through all that in this illustration, and then let's get you home. Again, the way we've been taught faith is that we have to have a lot of it. And it's good to have more faith, okay? But let's just, let's just take the life straw. Think about this. Think about the fact that, and you know this because Justin just tested out and said he, he's not going to die and he looks great right now. He's never going to be kissed again, but he looks great. Um, what we know about this is there are kids in the world, and I'm not plugging for this. I'm just telling you just to make sure you get the illustration. There are kids in the world. There are people in third world countries. I go to India all the time, and when I think of India, I think of puddles, and you don't know what's in that puddle, right? There are kids and people in the world that need fresh water. And we could spend thousands of dollars to, to, to build a well, and that's a good thing, right? But do you know the funny thing is, if we somehow had all the money in the world and we could put one of these in the hands of every just, just a few people from every village and say, you can use this, stick it in a pond and drink. We have the, the, the technology to give people pure water. Now, I've got a high school diploma, a college degree, and a master's. I can't tell you how this works. I know some of you are brilliant and you're smart and you're, you're experts in this because you're wearing flannel. I get it. I don't know how this works. I know there's filters involved and there's probably some charcoal. I get like the components, but I cannot for the life of you, of me, tell you how you can put this into dirty water, drink, and it not hurt you. But I don't have to. 
And if you put this in the hands of, of every village in the world and they refuse to use it, it doesn't help them. Faith has to be put to use. And it's not like, well, I've got a lot of faith to believe. You don't have to have any faith. Just, it's just enough faith to put your lips on this end and suck is all you need. It's all you need. And the first time you do it and you're like, that's unbelievable. That doesn't even taste dirty. The next time, Justin volunteers quicker and brings Catherine. <laughs> and listen, what I want you to get is this. That's how increasing faith spreads the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because if you could put this in the hand of one village and a villager who's like, that'll never work. But they put it in, and you just got to think about faith, right? We think faith is easy. Faith is not easy. Faith is hard. Imagine putting this into dirty water, and you're looking at the dirty water while you're sucking. That's how hard faith is, because you're, you're seeing the obstacle, but you're trusting God to move beyond it. So I'm not preaching that faith is easy. I think faith is actually very, very hard. But you don't have to have a lot of it. And God starts to filter out stuff. He does the work. We're putting our faith in Jesus because he's done the work. And so those four, those four A words, here's, here's what they mean. What's the first one? Faith accepts that God is who he says he is. And then faith acts in accordance with what God said he would do. And then faith accesses the power that God said he would give. That's the Holy Spirit. And then faith accomplishes what God sent us to do. And what I want you to understand is, at all four of those levels, you don't have to have a lot of faith. And that's really good news because sometimes we don't. You just have to be willing to take the little bit of faith you have and just accept it. Mary said, I don't know how I'm going to give birth to this Jesus because I'm a virgin. But I'll accept that you're God and that you can do what you say you'll do. And I'll act in accordance with that. And I'll access the power that you're giving me through the Holy Spirit to overshadow me and make this thing happen. And then I'll accomplish the will of God in my life. What you put me here to do, I'll accomplish that. And it, it all started because a little shaky 14-year-old girl said yes. That's all it took. And that's all it would take. Some little 14-year-old girl in some village in Africa just go, because you know to be a girl, not a guy, right? Women, you know that, right? Can I get an amen? I mean, I know today it wasn't, but it was an exception. That 14-year-old girl's like, hey, whole village, come behind me. I'll go first. I'm still living. Want to try it? And that's how the gospel works. How many of you have ever tried to share the gospel with somebody and they asked you a question that you didn't know the answer to? Ever happened to you? It happens to me all the time because I'm not bright. Every time that happens, you know what I find myself saying? That's a great question. But time out. I was this way and now I'm this way. And I can't answer your question, but I'm telling you, before I met Jesus, I would have been beating my wife and now I'm not. I was full of rage and now I'm not. I cussed like a sailor, and now I don't. Explain that. Uh, 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 yeah, but can you explain, like, would God create a rock so heavy you can't pick it up? You're stupid. 
Who cares? My life is different. I was dead and now I'm alive. And that's what faith does. We don't have to understand all of it. We just say, man, but he's done something in me. And when they really grab a hold of that, it's like taking that first sip out of the life strong. They're like, I don't know how that worked in your life, but I need to try it. And that's how the church changes the world. Just one life at a time. One suck at a time, right? Just give it a whirl. See what happens. Just give Jesus a shot and watch him change your life. And see, you don't have to have a lot of faith. You just got to put it in the right person. So the little bit of faith that you have right now, the Bible says a mustard seed, right? That's really, 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 really tiny. Just the faith the size of a mustard seed in Jesus moves mountains. You don't have to stand in front of a mountain and go, move, 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 in Jesus' name. Move. That's not what it means. Work it all up inside of you. No. It's what I have I put in Jesus, and he will be enough. And my prayer for you this morning is that the gathering will be marked by that kind of faith. And that we would walk out into a city. Man, everywhere we go, things look hopeless. They look bleak. We're walking out with faith in Jesus, faith in Christ, faith that I don't know how it works, but all the stuff in your life that is nasty and yucky and, and just, ugh, somehow if you put Jesus in that and you let him feed you, somehow he takes all that yucky stuff and he purifies it and uses that water to keep me nourished, breathing, alive, quench my thirst. That's what Jesus does. So I want you to close your eyes. We're going to pray and, and get out of here. Let me just ask you this question before we do. I, and I did do this in the first service. I really feel like we were supposed to do it here. With all this talk, and yes, it has been a lot of talk, all this talk about faith and, and all that, I'm not asking if you understand it, but I need to ask you this question. Do you, have you placed your faith, whatever little faith you have, have you placed your faith in Jesus? Not in church, not in my ability to preach, just in Jesus. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? And if you, if you haven't, man, you're at the right place today. And I would love nothing more than today to pray with you to receive Christ, to put your full faith in him, to trust him to change all the stuff in your life, filter all that stuff out, and be the living water that you need. That new birth we talked about at the beginning of the service, I would love for you to be born again today. That's what I would love. Is there anybody here today, you're like, man, that's me. I just, just will you pray for me? Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'd be glad to pray for you. And if you're, if you're not comfortable, raise your hand, man, come see me after. Thank you. Come see me after church. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love that. And we just start this journey together, okay? So can we just pray right now for the hands that went up? God, I thank you for these, these that have, have said today, man, I, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to trust him. Just the little faith I have, I'm putting it in him. And God, I pray that you would do in their life what you promised that you would, that you would raise them from, from death into life, that you would take them from darkness into light. God, that you would filter out all the contaminants of sin in their lives, God, and that because of the cross, that the cross would filter all that out and that you would give them new life today. We thank you for it, God. And I pray for all of us that we would leave this service um, with our faith encouraged. You know, we we want our faith to grow, but my, my biggest prayer is that our faith would be securely in Jesus and that we would have more and more faith to believe that he 
it not only is going to change us, but he can change our families and our cities and our, our nation, and he can change the world. And for that, God, we give you thanks in your name, Jesus. Amen.